Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, hour number two of the show. Welcome back. We've got Ollie Cosell coming in. In 10 minutes to talk a little Pelicans, second half of the hour, it is Tulane Tuesdays with Jacob Loss to talk about some of the Tulane football players who were drafted or picked up in UDFA and where they're at. Apparently Tulane tennis doing well and also Tulane baseball, another series under the books uh, in the books for them. Pelicans back in the news today and really yesterday for a reason you wouldn't really think. When a team hires a head trainer, doesn't usually make news. This isn't a a monumental hire. Nobody usually is getting excited when a team makes a training with their uh, a change with their medical staff. But the reason it was interesting to me is that David Griffin in that introductory press conference that I've talked about a lot. It was so impressive, maybe the most impressive introductory press conference that I've ever been a part of. He made a lot of promises either direct promises or reading between the lines promises, this new era that he wanted to deliver for the Pelicans. Well, he's already delivering that. Griffin finalized a deal to bring Aaron Nelson into the Pelicans athletic trainer. This medical staff of the Pelicans has been maligned constantly for the past decade, and a lot of it deservedly so. I think we know that the Saints split ways with um, Oshner. They had their own reasons for that. Pelicans uh, stuck by that staff, and we don't think that Oshner is going away. But at the top, they are making changes. This all goes back to just this unreasonably high rash of injuries that the Pelicans have sustained really since the Anthony Davis began. I mean, it's, it's become the butt of all jokes how often the Pelicans and Anthony Davis has been injured. And a lot of fans, a lot of you have wondered openly on this show and elsewhere about, well, is this an actual problem, a systemic problem with the Pelicans? Well, they've addressed it. So Aaron Nelson now becomes the Pelicans' head athletic trainer. He held that role in Phoenix since 1993, and he worked with David Griffin from 93 to 2010. Now, here's the thing about Nelson and why it's big. He is widely regarded as on the cutting edge of sports medicine and was even profiled on ESPN 30 for 30 a few years ago. Lots of players. It's it's crazy how many players and former players and people across the league were expressing their kind of bewilderment and admiration for David Griffin. Bewilderment that Nelson, who had been in Phoenix for so long, would leave that post and come to New Orleans, a franchise that hasn't seen a ray of of real success since their inception, although the Phoenix certainly hasn't been anywhere close either for a while. But also admiration that David Griffin and this organization seems to be taking things seriously. And they are. Nelson's not going to fix this overnight. And I've never been one that has blamed 
all these injury problems on the medical staff, the previous staff, I think a lot of that's been overblown. A lot of it's just bad luck. Still, I believe that David Griffith could have just looked past this issue and nobody would be talking about it. It's not like we'd be doing shows and we'd be on Twitter and social media and doing TV segments and the, you know, the 6 o'clock news saying, well, the Pelicans are missing an opportunity to revamp their medical staff. Nobody would have done that. But he didn't, David Griffin. He decided to make a real effort to bring in what he believes is the best medical professional in the league. And he made good on a promise to well do just that and bring in the best talent across the league to the Pelicans organization. Now, he failed to land Clippers assistant GM Trent Redden, bring him in, but he did force the Clippers to give him a, a big pays, a pay raise and redo his contract. But Griffin is, again, um, coming through on what he told us that he would do. And really, the demands that he made from Gail Benson was, I want to bring in my own people. I want to completely restructure and reorganize this organization to make it the envy of the league or one of the envies of the league. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in a year or two years or three years. And they're also going to have to win games on the court. Just because they hire a trainer or hire an assistant GM or a scout or other front office personnel, that's not going to matter at all if they continue to struggle on the court. But keep watching this play out. Keep watching this play out. And the moves that he makes, these are the – this is cliche, but it's true. These are those building blocks, the proverbial building blocks that you build and rebuild this foundation on. And these guys and gals that he'll bring into the front office will be around a lot longer than anybody who's suiting up in a Pelicans uniform. That's no slight on any of the players who are actually the ones winning basketball games on the court for him. But that's the truth. You build and sustain success in any professional sports league by what you do with your hires in the front office and the coaching staff and the medical staff and the scouting department and otherwise. David Griffin knows that. It's, he talked about that at length in his introductory press conference. A lot of people just wanted to talk about clutch sports and, and Anthony Davis and Alvin Gentry and Drew Holiday and a possible trade in the draft. And he made a point to say, hey, it's about the front office. It's about the people that we're going to bring in. And again, David Griffin's at least delivering on those promises right now. I'm curious what you think. How big of a deal do you think this is? 504-260-1870. That's the phone number. Area code 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. We'll take your calls and Ollie Cosell coming on from the Bird Rights, but you can give us a call and you can ask Ollie uh, your questions and he'll have even better insights than I do to this. Um, Ollie Cosell coming up next here on The Last Lap. Welcome back to the show. The Pelicans making news with a medical staff hire. No, it's, it is big news. Aaron Nelson, kind of the envy of the league as a trainer, ESPN 30 for 30 on him, and now he's coming here to New Orleans to join David Griffin's staff. Again, Griffin starting to deliver on those promises that he said he was going to remake this organization in his vision, and he seems to be doing just that. It's early, but the early results look promising. Ollie Cosell of the Bird Rights, at Ollie Cosell on Twitter, joins us now. Uh, Ollie, and, and yeah, it's weird that we're talking about you know a, an athletic trainer this much, but I think it deserves the talk. 
Yeah, typically said this time of year, what we want to talk about is the playoffs. But we're here, we're getting excited about personnel moves. And you know what? We have every reason to because it's been a couple of home runs. David Griffin, now Aaron Nelson. Yeah, indeed. Uh, by the way, thanks for double dipping today. Uh, we didn't know you were on Sports Talk earlier, so you're just, you know, you're a staple here at WWL. Ollie. It's, it's your, your, your station, it's your show. That's right, and I'll promise to give you new stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, we'll start with the Pelicans, and we'll get into these NBA playoffs. That's uh, already uh, t- what's happening over in that Boston game is a little a little crazy. But um, what do you think about what David Griffin's doing here? It seems like again that he he said in that you were at that opening press conference. I mean, he said, "I'm going to go out and I'm trying to try to bring the best people uh, into the front office," and he seems to be doing that. Yeah, everything that we've been told since Dell Bams was released. First by Gail, Gail Benson, and of course, since the David Griffin hire, has happened. She said she was committed to a championship. She was going to bring in uh, anybody and everybody to see that through, regardless of the cost, resources that it would require. And she proved a lot of that by uh, hiring David Griffin, of course, and then now Aaron Nelson. And you know, David Griffin, and this is key, he turned down a lot of jobs in his career. You know, he's been in the league now for quite some time with the Suns and, of course, the Cleveland Cavaliers winning a championship. But in between all those times, Seth, he turned down at least six different jobs. The fact that he took it here with New Orleans was, you know, the first eye raise. Something good must be happening here. He must really like something here. And, of course, do you remember that phrase he kept on using, outrageous demands? He had given Gail and the rest of the ownership group a bunch of outrageous demands, and you know what? They're meeting it by simply hiring the best most highly regarded trainer in the league. And first of all, I'm shocked that the Phoenix Suns are letting him go. I don't understand what they're doing over there. But regardless, New Orleans is scoring a big name. And, you know, this wouldn't have been possible just a year ago. You know, we've never seen the creme de la creme come to the city before for basketball. Did you blame the injury problems on uh, the, the staff? A lot of them are still in place. How much of the blame goes there? Seth, you almost have to. When you look back at the entire history, and that's something that I did, Justin Barrier, who used to write for ESPN, now he's with Ringer. We all did a couple of deep dives in on this, and the Pelicans truly were one of the more injured staff year to year uh, this past year. They lost 200 games, but before that, last the season prior, it was about 340 games to injury or illness. Alvin Gentry's first year, they led the league with 351. At some point, you have to look at the staff, at the methods, at the prevention, at everything. And the Pelicans did very little year-to-year in changing stuff. Granted, they had upgrades, but you know what? There was a revolving door. And I heard you talk about Oshner still staying on with the Pelicans when the Saints have moved on. But another thing that troubled me was always the personnel. You know, they've always had football guys, honestly, in the side of that department, in that sports medicine department. We've had Dwayne Books. John Iship came back from Detroit after he had been here this past season. So you never truly felt good about them possibly taking that next step. And you're right, every year Alvin Gentry's sitting there blaming injuries. Last year we had a great start, yet the starters could only stay out there for the first four games. You know, So at some point you do have to point that staff, and I truly think you have to, and that's why I think we're now seeing why David Griffin made such a point to chase two names, and one of them included a trainer, the other, of course, being Trent Redden. How much autonomy does Griffin have right now in that front office? It sure looks like 100% to me. I mean, no, well, we're probably never going to hear Mickey Loomis's name again affiliated with the Pelicans, not on any kind of serious question regarding the future of the franchise. Uh, I think th- this is a big key. I mean, like I said, those outrageous demands, that probably came with a litany of stuff. Not only his uh, 
uh, how much his salary was going to be a commensurate to, but also how to build and how many people he could hire at what rate, you name it. He wants state of the art. I've heard about everything, including down to the T of what he's expecting out of the scouting department that he's currently working on. Uh, of course, the medical side, he's seen the best. He's seen what LeBron required to keep LeBron healthy for all those games in Cleveland. So he knows what's needed, but the fact that, you know, he's here and, and, and that, that to me is one that speaks volumes. Seth, you know, none of this would be possible if David Griffin wasn't here. And the fact he came here, now I think that says it all. He said he wasn't going to take any other job in this NBA unless he had that complete autonomy. So we've got to believe that. that that's, what he, that's what he has right now. Ollie Cosell, editor-in-chief of thebirdrights.com. What are you hearing about David Griffin and his relationship with Rich Paul and, and trying to repair the Pelicans' relationship with Anthony Davis? Is there any movement there? Well, he definitely has that relationship with Rich Paul. I mean, you, you don't form a bond without, uh, or, or, or by having LeBron James for four years up in Cleveland without building one with his agent, who is honestly involved in everything LeBron does on a day-to-day basis. So he's got that in his pocket. But, you know, I honestly think if you want to talk about Anthony Davis and his chances of staying in New Orleans, I don't think it raises the bar much, if at all. Uh, I, I heard you had mentioned something about 90-10. Um, I've would barely give him maybe a 10% chance of Anthony Davis staying. I mean, look, Seth, we've seen he has proven he wants out. He bought a house in L.A. last summer. He changed uh, representation. And then during, during around his trade request, what did he make known? He was willing to go to any other of the 29 teams. Forget going to a winner. He was ready to go for anybody else. That's not going to change overnight. I don't care regardless of what pitch. David Griffin makes to him, even probably if, even if Rich Paul tries to say, hey, Anthony, maybe you should reconsider. It just doesn't seem like it's likely to happen. At every turn, Seth, at every turn, AD said to us, look, I'm ready to move on. This is my time. I don't think he can go back on that. You know, even if maybe there's a part of him that wants to, he, he's not going to be able to do it. And I think he's going to be talked out of it, even if he does have that idea. Yeah, and, and frankly, Ollie, I'm not sure that I would want him to turn back on that either because – the fresh start that Griffin has kind of given this franchise, I don't know if he can get that true fresh start if Anthony Davis um, is here. That seems blasphemous to say, but the return they're likely going to get for an Anthony Davis trade will make that transition um, easier than you would think. Am I right there? I think you are. And here's the big thing that nobody's really talking about. If they do try and keep Anthony Davis and convince him to stay, think about all the resources Griffin's going to have to uh, build and waste to uh, put up a winner right away. That's what he had to do when he went up to Cleveland and LeBron came back. He sold all of Cleveland's future picks. uh, And we see what state the Cleveland was once LeBron left. Well, that's kind of what I think Griffin would have to do to keep Anthony Davis here to convince him. I mean, it's one thing to bring in a trainer, but another thing to put a fresh and committed winner on the court that Anthony Davis wants at at a minimum just to stay in this city. So I don't want to see anybody go down that road, let alone the Pelicans. Because uh, as we know, we've been burned a few times by a few superstars. And, and you just got to think with these young guys, when, when they're committed to leaving the city, you know, it, it's just Band-Aid. So he's going to bolt at the first opportunity he gets. That's what I'm worried about. You sign into that extension, Griffin commits all these resources. There goes a couple of future first-round picks. And then he leaves after a year or two. And then where are we going to be? 
Yeah, great stuff here from Ollie Cosell, editor-in-chief of thebirdrights.com. A lot of people compare the Pelican situation to the Bucks with uh, Yanis, but um, I don't think people realize that Milwaukee is actually a pretty large market, not a top 10, they're top 20. It's it's not the same, but let's talk about the Bucks tonight. I don't know if you saw that game, um, Ollie, but it, it was a two-point game in the third quarter, 74-72 or 70, maybe it was a three-point game, and then it's a 28-2 run by the Bucks. Are they are they really this good? Are they really have a shot to win this title? They do. You know, when you look at the advanced numbers, they all point to this Bucks team as being one of the best teams that's come around in the last 10 or 20 years. Uh, every rating says that. They, of course, were the biggest winner this year, winning the most games, but you know what? They really do have a deep team, but one thing we got to mention, though, is they're not firing on all cylinders. Brogdon, who is a big key to that puzzle, is still out. Uh, but again, you mentioned it. They're destroying the Celtics, and I turned it on right at halftime. Okay. Milwaukee might lose. Well, you know, 10, 20 minutes later, Milwaukee was up 20 points, and there's nothing to worry about. And uh, Giannis is doing his thing again. So I don't think Milwaukee is going to have too much more trouble with Boston. I honestly think they're going to advance, and they're going to end up in the uh, finals. But once they get there, you know, of course, the key is going to be, can they take down the next team? Like I said, the numbers through the course of the regular season, love them. They were the best team by far this uh, season. Can that continue? We don't know. It's probably going to come down to health and a lot of other factors as well. All right. Where do you come down on this James Harden and the Rockets against the refs stuff? Um, I don't know if you've seen my tweets, but I am I am totally not Team Hardener. I don't want to watch two hours of a flop fest, but uh, I know a lot of people disagree with me, especially here, a lot of Rockets fans here. No, for years I've griped about Houston and especially James Harden and this preferential treatment, I like to call it, that he gets all the time. But you know what? I do, above all else, value in an NBA game is consistency. And you know what the NBA referees did not do? They didn't call consistent James Harden games. I mean, look, it's one thing called touch fouls, but the fact that, honestly, there was more than once the Warriors slid underneath him on a shot, and he didn't really have to flop. He was landing on other people's feet, and they never got called for that. And that's something that we've seen repeatedly, not just this season, but prior seasons. Remember when Kawhi Leonard landed on uh, Zaja Pachulia's yeah. leg? Uh, and, yeah, and that pretty much killed his first chance as soon as he did that. Well, th- that was the reason why that, that, that rule was inst- or implemented. So the fact that it wasn't at all utilizing the last game, that bothered me. Even though it was James Harden, Seth, you still got to kind of adhere to some of the rules and especially how consistent you've been in calling it. The fact they didn't, that troubles me. So now, you know what I'm going to be watching for in that game? Obviously, the referees, and especially Scott Foster, who I can't believe that the NBA is thrown out there for game two. That seems like just a jab right at Harden. Like, I almost feel like they did that because Harden went off in that postgame presser. That and the fact that the Houston Rockets talked about how they went through, I don't know if you read that report, where they went through and looked over yes. all the missed calls and everything, right? And they had their own point system. Well, yeah. they deduced that they should be the 2018 Right, from the, it was the game so. seven last year, right? They were supposed to, they said, well, we were actually, we needed 18 more points is what the referees kind of uh, took away exactly. from us, right? Yeah, it's, exactly. Uh, so I think when you put something out there like that, yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised. And this is probably a little bit of that pettiness that we here in New Orleans <laughs> love to see. No doubt about it. All Always appreciate the chats, but friend, we'll do it again. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thanks, man. All right. Ollie Cosell, editor-in-chief of thebirdrights.com. You can find his work there. Visit there every day and at Ollie Cosell on Twitter, O-L-E-H-K-O-S-E-L. We'll take a break. We're coming back. Jacob Watts comes in studio. It's Tulane Tuesdays next 
here on The Last Lap. At 9.30, and Jacob, welcome back, man. How's the week been? NFL draft in the books. Oh, big week for the Wave. Are you kidding me? I mean, we got three guys now, three more members of the Wave now in the NFL. Most notably, Donnie Lewis Jr., who was drafted in the seventh round by the Cleveland Browns. I think he would have gotten selected a lot higher if it wasn't for the foot injury that he got at the end of the season. But he will now be a member of the Dog Pound. Guys love him for his versatility, his energy. This past season, he had 50 tackles, three interceptions, led the AAC, and passes defended. And I know that the Browns this offseason, I've been getting a lot of love for uh, Odell Beckham. Yeah, LSU Jarvis. North. Yes, yeah. exactly. But now it's Tulane North. That's right. You set me up perfectly because... Uh, Donnie Lewis is tur- is reuniting with his freshman year roommate Dontrell Hill- Hilliard, who is now who he's been he's been on the Browns training squad, but now they'll team up and uh, be a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, so, it's yeah. it's got to make him feel pretty comfortable, and all those guys feel pretty comfortable because you know you play college football down here. Those guys are in you know some of the same circles. They've talked, they know each other, and now you have five players who played college football here in, in southeast Louisiana on the Browns. It's kind of incredible, it, you know. It, regardless of what Freddie Kitchen says about you know uh, LSU or any other program, but. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, as much as we can get a wave representation around the country, you know, we'll slowly get more Tulane fans. That's right. Spread. That's right. That's right. You, you grow the tent. You want, you want a big tent here. A couple of other guys besides Lewis also landed on rosters, Jacob. Yes, absolutely. We got Roderick Teamer, who is Lewis's right-hand man. He played. He was a hard-hitting safety, delivered nearly 200 tackles over his four years at Tulane, and is an alumni of Brother Martin, so he's a New Orleans product. And, we, and then the other guy who got signed is John Leglu. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Well, you're asking the wrong person on that one. <laughs> Bobby Aber could do that one well for us, I'm sure. Well, he's a 6'6", 300-pound, 300 more like 300-pound offensive lineman who signed with the Broncos. He did, he did four years at Tulane, and he played on all four positions of the offensive line, or he played four different positions. So he's very, very versatile. He's from Alexandria and went to a small school called Holy Savior Menard. Yep, uh, Mark Menard's namesake there. Um, so three players, three Green Wave guys now uh, on NFL rosters, rookies, incoming rookies into the league. Um, it's, it's a good showing for Willie Fritz and this program who one of his pitches has been to recruit since he got the job. Hey, if you come to Tulane, we've got a path to the NFL for you. And now that he's showing that, not just with you know one guy, but with multiple guys in the same year, it's got to bode well for this program. Absolutely. I think Tulane's really, I mean, like you said, they're just headed in the right direction. And it doesn't just go for Tulane football, but just to pivot real quickly, Tulane basketball is doing the same exact pitch. I mean, Ron Hunter just brought in a new transfer. His name is Tayshawn Hightower. This was a guard who played for University of Georgia for the past two years, and he's not a scrub at all. He averaged 19 minutes last season and is going to come play for the Wave next year and make an immediate impact. Grad transfer so he can play right away? Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, I'm interested with the basketball um, and Ron Hunter and, and what he's bringing in there. The, the cupboard was so bare, and the worst season in, in Tulane basketball, maybe in their, their history, certainly at least in conference play, uh, the last year of the Dunleavy era. Do you believe that Ron Hunter's going to have some sort of instant success? And I don't know exactly how success is going to be measured coming off that winless 
season and conference play. Well, exactly. If he gets one win, then he's a success. But you have to give him credit. I mean, he's a man of his word. He said in his introductory press conference that he's going to make a substantial effort to recruit not just in New Orleans, but in the surrounding southern area. And look what he just did. He's already bringing guys in who played for notable SEC, uh, notable SEC program. And it's... It's a, actually a great fit now because Caleb Daniels, who's the starting point guard on the wave, is likely to transfer. So, boom, you just got a whole, you just fit a missing piece right there. And I don't know who else is going to transfer, but at least we're just headed in the right direction. Yeah, you know, it's interesting in college basketball. It's, it's kind of become the, the second phase of the recruiting cycle. Or maybe this is actually the first phase of the recruiting cycle. The normal recruiting is now the second. But countries across the program recruit these grad transfers in a big way um, and a lot of the big time programs do that because you're able to go without sitting out a year and it's good to see that Ron Hunter's actually utilizing that to try to at least get some semblance of you know the capability out of the, the basketball program this next year because again he's just in a tough spot like I don't think the, the casual fans realize the hand that he was dealt and, and it just was not good yeah, well, touching on the grad transfer uh, trend, it's veterans are a key for success. And, I mean, you see that in the March Madness tournament, these teams that have seniors who have experience underneath their belt, like they usually fare well against like even talented freshmen because they're more perseverant, they're more resilient. And I think now as Tulane you know, gets more veterans on their team, they'll be able to mentor some of the younger uh, players who have more potential. Indeed. He's Jacob Wassum, Seth Dunlap, Tulane Tuesdays here on WWL. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about Tulane baseball, ECU. They had a series last week. And also, Jacob tells me Tulane tennis invited to the NCAA tournament. We'll hit on that too. Tulane Tuesdays after this continues on the last lap. Warriors and Rockets just underway. Warriors first six points of that game, so they're up six nothing and officiating front and center in that series already. We'll keep you updated on anything that happens there, and we expect a lot to happen there. Over in the NHL playoffs, again earlier tonight, it was the Blue Jackets taking a 2-1 series lead on the Bruins. Two goals to one, they win that game. Sharks at the Avalanche, late first period, one nothing. The Sharks lead that game, that series tied 1-1 that game is in Denver tonight. Tulane Tuesdays right now Jacob Wass is in studio with us like he is every week at 9.30 and and Tulane baseball Jacob ECU the series last weekend Yeah so Tulane faced ECU who's in first place right now in the AAC and it would have been huge if they could have gotten a sweep but unfortunately they only got one of two uh, to one of the two games oh my god Jesus. One of the three one games. One of the three yeah. games yes And the number 11 in the nation by the pieces. way they are number 11 in the nation, so you got to give them a little bit of slack. But they got pummeled in the first two games, and then they were they won the third game just by the skin of their teeth. And basically what's the problem with the Tulane baseball team right now is that they just can't get it done on the road. They have a record right now of below 500, and with the AAC tournament coming up in just a couple weeks, they're going to have to step it up if they want any chance at making the or being competitive in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they've lost five of their last uh, seven games uh, in conference. Well, just five of the last seven games, and also uh, was it six of their last eight games in, in conference play? They're taking on UNO tonight, trying to get a store uh, from Tim Zimmer there. Hey, East Carolina's good. I mean, that's a team that you could see actually at the College World Series. Uh, I tell you this the American in, in every sport is turning themselves into a very um, 
capable conference, to use that word again. Uh, I, I, we all knew that they'd be good in basketball because they have some traditional powers there. But UCF in football, and now you got ECU in baseball. Uh, I mean, this conference is good. And Tulane's, they've got their work cut out for them in every sport trying to compete. Yes, absolutely. We got to give some love to the, you know, the obscure sports. Forget football, forget basketball for a second because the Tulane Green Wave men's tennis team just got a bid to the NCAA tournament. This is I like I wasn't even aware about this, but this is the fourth straight year they've made the tournament, which I feel like is a pretty big accomp- accomplishment. They'll face South Alabama this weekend in the first round, and this is a format that's very similar to March Madness. 64 teams huh. get a bid. And uh, I'm ready, you know, it's not like a lot of people around campus are talking about this, but let me just appoint myself to the head okay. of the Tulane Green Wave <laughs> Tennis All Fan right. Club. I like it, I like it. Because Tulane is going dancing, baby, and forget March Madness, it is May Madness now. <laughs> I like it, May Madness. Yes. I uh, you, you seem like a, t- I don't even know, but you seem like you may have played tennis a time or two, is that true? Well, that's in- incredibly insightful of you, because yes, I did play tennis oh, in high school, see. not well, but it was good enough to like hit the ball over the net. I'll tell you, like, so I I'm from Los Angeles, where volleyball is very big, and uh, I played freshman and sophomore year. And then one day, my coach comes up to me and says, "Why are you still here?" And I was, "Wow, like, huh? okay." And she goes, "Oh yeah, you're cut. Go change your schedule." What? Brutal. Yes, traumatizing. Hold on but, here. Well, this yeah. is this is high school or college? This is high school. Yeah, high school. college. Wait, and your coach walks up to you and say, why are you still here said, and cut you? She said, why are you still here? We're all putting on our socks or whatever, getting ready. And she just comes up to me in front of all my friends and says, why are you still here? And then I was like, what are you talking about? And she goes, yeah, go to your counselor. You got to change your schedule. And then I was just like oh. Boulevard of Broken Dreams. I just walked, <laughs> go like cried in a stall for a little bit and then had to pick myself up. And I said, you know what, Jacob, you're not going down this path. You're not transferring it or switching into PE anything but PE so I went to my counselor and I said what teams can I try out for she said the only tryout left is tennis so I said all right I'm gonna go try out for the tennis team (laughs) so I march my way to the tennis courts and then I say to the coach I'm like hey man like I know I've been a little low-key around campus but I'm actually like this great tennis player he goes all right let me feed you some balls didn't hit one of them in but I guess I was kind of like funny while they must have needed some bodies you know what? At this point, they needed some spirit because <laughs> you were the, you were their like their spirit animal, you know, the mascot. The Santa Monica Vikings were in a sunken place before I came. All right, I, I, okay, and was quickly voted as JV team captain. Oh well, there you go. I yes. mean, that's something. That's you put that on a college application. Oh yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, and then but anyways hang out on JV for a little bit, slowly climb through the ranks to get solidify myself as third on the doubles, on the JV doubles, and then... Uh, well, now, wait, you're third on the doubles, so that's six. How many people are actually on this JV team? Were there six? There, there was like ten. Okay. But well, okay, well, there you go. Don't, don't take it away from me. This is like a comeback story. This is like Rudy. <laughs> okay, all right. This all went down in a week, in a week period. It was one of the craziest weeks of my life. But anyways, 
ran it back junior year too, and then uh, when I was a senior, they were like, "All right, well, we can't have you on JV anymore. We got to put you on varsity." And I go, "Yeah, I quit." And uh, was that a rule at your school? Like you couldn't be a senior on JV? I remember it was it was weird when it wasn't a rule at our school, our high school. We were we were a really small high school. You should think it should have been a rule, but it was always a little weird when you had these seniors, like basketball players, who were on JV. I always kind of felt like, "Oh man." I begged to play JV. I love JV because I mean the kids who we played against from other schools, they were like i mean you're not getting like your typical jock on the tennis team so we would just kind of me and my partner we would just kind of lob the ball over and then just be like you suck you suck which oh trash talker yeah i know well we had to you know enhance our game a little bit we weren't very skilled but it was enough to fluster our opponents and then they would just go like what what and then uh, hey psychological warfare is all uh all fair play see now you you had me i thought you were going to be saying like you were just some you know club volleyball player so we didn't have volleyball in high school but my you know six seven behind um i always wanted to play and i liked it in high school so i just played it and then i uh, got on the club team in college and then i was not very good but i was like tall so they just they wanted me like I, I was decent i'm not gonna say i was bad but i was like i would definitely know you know no future in in, be- in volleyball for me although beach volleyball would be great now like if i could go back and they had beach volleyball which they have everywhere now which they did not when i was in college i would have been all over that like give me a little outdoor although in pullman washington probably wouldn't have been good well trust me even though i got cut i still have a sweet back set so if anyone's ever trying to play pickup you know oh, there you go it's still 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 get together yeah. a little bit um okay and the final question here is last week you told us not a game of thrones fan you did not acquit yourself well in our NBA player or um, Game of Thrones character, did you see any of the Game of Thrones madness on Twitter? Yeah, honestly, I'm going to concede. Game of Thrones is a cultural phenomenon, and I missed out. All right, there. That's it. Yeah. That's all I wanted. That's all I needed to hear. You're off the hook. It's it's different than – it's not really a show anymore. It's more just like a thing that you kind of need to be doing. <laughs> it's so true. And uh, – I'm not into dungeons or dragons or really anything that like Game of Thrones represents, but well, there's no dungeons. Well, actually, maybe there, but there, it's not. Yeah, I have no idea. Like I said, I am like not well versed in any of this. But what I think I honestly need to do is just go home, go to the Radio.com app, and watch a podcast or listen to a podcast has no name. I, that was an unsolicited promo. This is great. You're welcome back anytime now. <laughs> You're welcome back anytime. Uh, by the way, I thought like nerds were cool now, like with with the younger people. Isn't that kind of cool? Isn't that kind of true? Or yes. is that not true? Am I just I've been hearing the wrong things? Is my life a lie? Yes, the tides are turning, and as a member of the Green Wave, it's my responsibility to balance out those tides. And now, exactly. So things that aren't co- that used to not be cool are now cool so boom two lane tennis used to not be cool now it's really cool because we're in the NCAA tournament so everyone at two lane who's listening to this right now because i know you are get up from your seats grab your tennis la- rackets and let's storm to the riley rec center because we all need to start uh engaging in and America's pastime. Well, there you go. Okay, so when you go back right now, you're going to have this line of people outside just waiting for your autograph with tennis yeah. rackets or something like that. Uh, Jacob, thanks for coming in. Uh, look, you promoted my show, so you can come on anytime. We'll see you next week. Sounds good. All right, Jacob Wass, Tulane Tuesdays in the book. We're back after this on The Last Lap. What is this rejoin? Tim Zimmer. Please come on the mic. you got to explain this one because I am all for random, crazy poppy rejoins that are out of the demo 
but th- this one was out of left field. Explain exactly why that was the rejoin for us. Oh, he can't. He's saying he's, he's wag- he was waving his finger. <laughs> he's trying to find. Okay, uh, we do have a UNO two lane baseball score right now. UNO fourteen four leading Tulane in the top of the eighth inning. No midweek games this week for LSU. They just have that weekend series. Uh, so, Tim, give me the reason again. What's up? Yeah, Tulane gave up 10 runs in the eighth inning. Not, not. It was 4-4 up until that point. Wait, it was 4-4 and then it's 14-4. And Tulane gave up uh, 10 runs to the UNO in the eighth inning. Not a good eighth inning, obviously. No. A lot of it was earned runs, but, you know, it's still 10 runs. Yeah, you're changing the subject here. Why exactly do we have InSync? Or Backstreet Boys. Well, what is today's date? April 30th, 2019, um, the year of uh, you know our Lord. And what is tomorrow? May 1st. It's going to be May. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't think there's a – I don't know if there's a producer in the country that would have that, that put that together, which is why we love you, Tim. If you don't see the Justin Timberlake meme tomorrow, then you obviously aren't on social media. That's true. Or a millennial. Yes, that's true. Will there be more Justin Timberlake memes or more Arya Stark memes? Because those are still going around. I, it's incredible. The three days later, we're still seeing all sorts of new random crazy Arya Stark stuff. Well, the Justin Timberlake memes are a little old now because th- that was like maybe three to four years ago. But they're still going strong on May 1st. I will say Game of Thrones memes are still going strong as well. <laughs> uh, Warriors lead the Rockets 17-8 to with six minutes left in the first quarter. I got a text here from the 504 um, about 20 minutes ago, but when we were talking Pelicans, let's get to it now. I, wanna, I want someone in the local media, says the texture, to actually lay out what Griffin's real accomplishments are. If it's winning a championship in Cleveland, Stevie Wonder could have won a championship with LeBron, so don't present that. All you have... Or you have a lot of time during your show to lay his background out. Please do so. All I ask. Well, I do have a lot of time on my show, and I'm not sure if you actually listen to the show or not, but I've done this a lot. He has a great history of front office success well before he was in Cleveland. And discounting that he helped bring a basketball championship to Cleveland, to Cleveland, Facing that Warriors dynasty, yes, LeBron had everything to do with that, but so did David Griffin. LeBron wasn't winning championships in Cleveland before Griffin got there. Come on. Now, before that, he was in Phoenix in the front office. He was with the Suns for 17 years from 93 to 2010, and then he was the general manager. He moved to the front office early 2000s and then moved up to the uh, president of basketball operations role, actually, uh, from 2007 to 2010. And that's when the, the Suns enjoyed their greatest run of success the past 30 years. I mean, they just did. Conference semifinals. Conference finals lost to the Lakers. With a roster that kind of shouldn't have been there. I mean, they won 61, 55, 46, 54 games those four years. Last four years, he was with Phoenix. Since then, since David Griffin left Phoenix, not a single playoff appearance. Not one. Not one. Nine years, no playoff berths, playoff appearances for the Phoenix Suns since David Griffin left. 
It's not just me telling you this. It's not just the local media telling you this, Dexter, from the 504. Every respected basketball voice across the country, well before he came to New Orleans, was explaining why David Griffin was the most sought-after front office piece in league circles this offseason. Every single franchise wanted him. David Griffin could have hand-picked where he wanted to go. Especially now with Magic Johnson out of the Lakers, he could have gone to L.A. in that market, with that franchise, with LeBron. He said no. Could have gone to Memphis. Could have gone a handful of other places. He chose New Orleans because he saw a future here. And I, I, I really don't understand. I understand if you're saying, you know, He's got to prove it. Yes, he does. I've, I've said that before. A lot of promise here. Promise doesn't mean anything. you got to deliver results on the court sooner rather than later, likely, to get fans to buy into this and to get players to actually buy into it. Lure free agents here. But just discounting David Griffin because you haven't heard a lot about him and the Pelicans haven't had a lot of success since their inception as the Hornets 18, 17 years ago, 16 years ago, I don't really understand it. That's just you trying to get angry or you know have an oppo take just to have an oppo take. It's just me. Uh, tomorrow on Sports Talk with Bobby Bear and myself. Yeah, I'm going to be on Sports Talk 4 to 8 as Christian has the night off. We'll talk about those win totals. Las Vegas updated their NFL win totals. Saints are at 10.5. You're going over under there. And LSU football currently has the number one ranked recruiting class for 2020. Do you think the Tigers are finally closing that gap with Alabama? You can huddle up with... Myself and Bobby Hebert tomorrow, 4 to 8 p.m. on your home of the Saints, LSU, and the Pelicans, WWL. A Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll is the Saints over under 10 and a half wins. Where are you going there? We'll check that poll next hour. One more hour of the show. Speaking of Tiger recruiting, Mike Scarborough, TigerBait.com, is going to join us. Just an exceptional week. Yeah, hold that Tiger indeed, Coach O says. Also, Tyron Matthew, Honey Badger, Chief Safety, hosting the second annual Tyron Matthew Kickball Classic. We'll have an interview with Tyron. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.